Welcome to Special Needs Navigators ABCs of Disability Planning podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm glad you're here. My name is Eric Jorgensen. I created this podcast to help parents navigate the maze of benefits, resources, and services. I'm on this journey with you. My son is on the spectrum. I was widowed in 2012, and I beat cancer in 2020. I get that life throws us curveballs. Every week, my guests and I do a deep dive into things our families may come across. I don't spend too much time focusing on a specific disability. My intent is to help as many families as possible. You may already be familiar with some of these topics, others not so much. My goal is to increase awareness of and provide context around what's available, when to use it, and, if applicable, how to apply it. Let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Eric Jorgensen. I am the founder of Special Needs Navigator. I started Special Needs Navigator to help families, individuals, and caregivers navigate the maze of benefits, resources, and services. Today, I'm excited. Today, I have with me Jacqueline Berry. She is the Senior Vice President and Managing Director of Cumberland Trust. And the reason I'm excited is I love Cumberland Trust's business model. They serve as a corporate trustee. They have a very significant tie to the special needs community in that, as Jacqueline will share with you, many of the individuals working at Cumberland have a family member with a disability or are otherwise tied to the disability community. So there's a lot of understanding of what families who have disabilities, what they're experiencing. And I really love that when I'm working with professionals. So I'm excited to bring and have Jacqueline here to talk to you. We're going to introduce Jacqueline to you. We're going to let her give a little bit of background about herself. She's been with Cumberland for 14 years, so obviously they're doing something right. <laughs> We're going to talk about Cumberland Trust, what they are, what they do, the best types of people and individuals who work with them. They are not for everybody, and that's okay. And then Jacqueline's going to explain what to look for in a corporate trustee, because if maybe you're not looking for Cumberland to be the corporate trustee, but you do want a corporate trustee, or you don't even know what a corporate trustee is, Jacqueline's going to be able to explain what a corporate trustee is, what types of questions you should be asking, what you should be thinking about, and then at the end, we're going to make sure you have her contact information and you're going to be able to reach out to her if you have questions specifically about Cumberland and how they may be able to help you. So without any further ado, because I've been talking for way too long, Jacqueline, welcome. Would you mind giving everybody just a little bit of background about you and how you came to Cumberland and anything else you'd like to share? Sure. Good morning. So I've been with Cumberland about 14 years, came to Cumberland because in a new city, wanted a new challenge, new experience, and found Cumberland and was very excited about this group that they had that was called distinctive care, special needs, special care. What does that mean? I really wanted to do something in helping people doing social work and really found that at Cumberland, I could kind of fill all of my buckets. I could help people, I could make a difference, and I could also be kind of a hands-on experience with families. And that kind of filled what I was looking for personally. Awesome. Yeah. And so tell us about Cumberland. What is it? You mentioned special needs, special care, distinctive care. And I've said they're a trust company, but that's really doesn't do them justice. Yeah. So Cumberland Trust is uniquely different. We have what's called a bifurcated platform. We handle trust administration for all areas of trust. 
And I specialize in our distinctive care division. And that is really individuals that either have a true special needs that are going to have a special needs trust. Maybe it's special care. Maybe there's just some extra things that an individual needs and they don't have a true special needs trust. We do a lot within the litigation world. So a lot of settlements, a lot of individuals that are coming out of the court systems that have a settlement trust or special needs trust and need that corporate entity that can help take care of what those needs are in that trust. It also encompasses our elder care division. So we do a lot with the aging community, either when they're moving from you know home to assisted living helping them along with all of those things because maybe they don't have family members that are near or trusted. And so we were able to help from that perspective as well. And then for that, some people may hear that called Medicaid planning, right? Or something similar or? Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, we're working with individuals that maybe have a revocable trust. And so they can, you know, kind of take care of them things themselves. It's within that revocable trust. Perhaps they're getting older and they don't want to take care of the bills or they're just kind of getting to a phase where maybe they're forgetting things or things are slipping. And so they want someone to oversee and make sure that bills are being paid timely and that things are taken care of within their needs. So let's back up a second. I'm not sure if I covered it during the intro, probably not knowing me. Where are you located? So our headquarters are in Nashville, Tennessee. We do have 10 offices across the U.S., but our headquarters and all of our trust administration is done from Nashville, Tennessee. And that was very thoughtfully executed because everyone that's in home office, our legal team, our operations team, our special assets team, all of our executive management, everyone is there at the hub and we're able to get things done very quickly and efficiently for our clients. And does that mean if somebody was in Maryland or Connecticut or California that they couldn't work with you? That does not. So we have clients in every state. That just simply means that the administration of the trust is being handled in the state of Tennessee by a Tennessee trustee. And that's not very complicated. You and I have talked a couple times about how easy it is to, what does it change the situs or? The situs. Uh, so the situs, the trust, yeah, it's often, there's language in most trust documents that allows for that. And so that's how we effectively serve those clients in all of those states. Awesome. I want to circle back on a couple things that I want to highlight for people because you touched on it and I want to really focus on it. A lot of families will tell me, Eric, when I'm gone, I don't know who's going to help my child keep up the house or, you know, you mentioned it, pay the bills. That's not something I think that a, so in my opinion, I don't believe a normal trust officer or trust company is going to be that involved. They'll typically just write, make the distribution. How much do you need to pay? Here's a distribution, right? But they may not get as involved in, well, how much do you owe Comcast? Mm -hmm. Am I, am I right there, Jacqueline? You're right. So I think Cumberland is uniquely different in that we are a customer service driven entity. And that is sometimes often lost, especially with corporate trustees or kind of what the perception of a corporate trustee is. So Cumberland really focuses on that client relationship, making sure that we're partners with those clients. You know, it's important for us if it's important for them. We have some clients that, you know, it's taken them years to learn certain skills and we don't want to come in and say, oh, it's easier if we take care of it. And while it might be easier, it's also very important that if they've acquired a skill and it's important for them to pay a rent, 
to pay a bill or to have that sense of accomplishment, we want to shelter that and make sure that we're meeting them where they are. We do have a very low ratio to account to trust officer, which is also really important. We have about 40 to 50 relationships per trust officer on this distinctive care side. And so we're able to get very in-depth with our beneficiaries. We're able to, you know, have calls with them. You know, sometimes we have calls daily. You know, we have clients that like to call and tell us what they had for breakfast and what their to-do list is. Other clients who are like, hey, we'll call you when we need you. So it's really getting back to being a customer service industry, making sure those clients are taken care of and having that partnership with them, making sure they're heard. Do you have a favorite story for the distinctive care that can really paint a picture? So many. (laughs) To talk all day. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. But I think what's important is, you know, paying the rent. We had one sweet beneficiary who it was so important for him to pay his rent. It took him about two years to learn that process. And so, you know, there's a grieving process. Oftentimes we're stepping in at the passing of the families, you know, passing of the mom, passing of the dad, maybe one had passed away previously and they're suffering a great deal of loss and, you know, they're grieving. And so we're stepping in as this company and what do they mean? And what does a trustee mean? And how do I work with them? And so we were able to work with this individual and kind of go through those steps and say, Hey, did you check your account? Yes, I did. And I wrote the check. Great. Did you deliver it to the office? And he's like, Oh, I always forget that part. You know, it's sitting on my counter. And so after a couple months of kind of reminding, he was able to still keep that sense of accomplishment and continue paying his rent, which was really important. You know, we've got other clients that have a favorite story of mine is a tennis ball story. You know, it was very important. He collected tennis balls and he would, you know, he had this great system for him. Sometimes he would, you know, rotate them in and out. And so having a special needs trust and being able to send him $20 every, you know, six months to buy a new round of tennis balls was very important to him. And so we were able to kind of help make that continue for continuity reasons for him once his parents have passed away. And you're not judging him. You're not saying, well, you don't need that. That's not a need. No, we look at the terms of the document and that particular individual lived in a residential facility and had very low expenses. And that was his pleasure. And so if that is something that made him happy, we wanted to make sure that he was able to continue that happiness. That's fantastic. I think that's often a challenge. And I don't think it's necessarily the fault of the trust company, because like you said, you look at the document. And I think parents are often overwhelmed when you're seeing an attorney. So mm-hmm. they don't they may not get super granular with the trust document. And maybe they're working with an attorney who's not familiar with special needs. So they don't take the time to ask the questions. Will you work with a family to help draw trust up or do you only take trust that are already set up? We have a very collaborative platform, so to speak. We have several attorneys on staff, but we don't practice law. So we work with outside attorneys that are drafting those trusts. We are happy to review those from an administrative perspective and be able to ask questions if we're going to be appointed in a future business capacity or as their incoming accounts. So we want to be able to have that conversation. And obviously, the best time to ask the questions is why everyone's still around. So being able to have those conversations are important to us, just as they're important to the family. You know, we welcome those opportunities to have conversations over the years. Maybe they're in their 60s and they're not going to need us to their 80s. We want to be able to have those conversations with the family so they know that we're still here. This is what we're still doing and be able to answer questions along the way. I'm glad you said that, Jacqueline, because I feel I don't have any hard science for this, but I feel like a lot of families may be guilty of just writing a trustee down, never actually talking to the trustee. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a close friend, maybe it's Cumberland. Right. But now you're, you've got this document and you're like, okay, I, but we don't know the person. Right. And I think it's important to, you know, whether it's an individual or a family member or a corporate trustee, have conversations with them. Get to know who they are, what they do, ask questions. I often tell our families, if there's a life event, if you're moving an individual who's lived at home for 55 years and they're going into a residential placement or they're going into independent living or or we're trying those different things, have those conversations not only with the trustee who might eventually be dealing with similar circumstances, but also with the conservator or the guardian or whoever, power of attorney, whoever's going to help be there when they're not there. Those are great conversations. Sometimes they're hard conversations, but they're conversations that need to be had. I mean, you're not going to be easier when you're gone. And now people are trying to figure stuff out, right? Yep. Having context is important for everyone involved. We talked about special assets. Can you hold a house in a trust? Is that possible? We can. So that is one of the things that Cumberland takes great pride in and does very well. We are happy to hold non-conforming assets, whether it is a residential property or commercial property or a partnership of any sort. We have a whole team dedicated to those non-conforming assets, making sure that the taxes are paid, making sure it's insured properly, making sure it's inspected, appraisals every three years. We've got a whole team that takes care of that for those beneficiaries. Wow, that sounds amazing. So in theory, a family, because it's something I've had families express interest in, a family could buy a duplex, rent out one side of the duplex, have the individual live on the other side. Mm-hmm. The duplex is paid for. There's no lien on the house. Mm-hmm. But so they could leave that to their trust, right? Correct. Cumberland could collect the rents or right. would, or okay. And then Cumberland right. could pay a property management company and a housekeeping service or whatever else. Mm-hmm. To keep the house upkept. Correct. So, as long as that's in the trust document. That's where I was heading. It's like, as long as the <laughs> trust document allows it, we are happy to coordinate those services. So oftentimes, you know, if there's a property manager that's involved, whether that's an individual or a company, you know, maybe it's a cousin who didn't want that fiduciary burden of being a trustee, but they want to be a trust protector. They're happy being a property manager. We'll work with them on collecting those rent, making sure those rental payments are coming in from the rent portion, and then also helping that beneficiary if there's a need for a house cleaner to come in once a week, if we need someone to come in and cook. We'll help put those individuals, you know, it's not Jacqueline coming, but we'll make sure that those people are there to take care of that beneficiary. Fantastic. And I hope what families are hearing is the importance of making sure the trust document reflects what you want to happen Mm -hmm. and the importance of talking to the potential trust officer, right? And now one thing I want to highlight is Cumberland does not do any investment management. You do not manage any money. And I think that's important to highlight. Yeah. So we have a very unique platform. I'm sorry to touch on that. We just handle trust administration. So our job as trustee is administering those trusts in accordance with the way that the trust is written. Just like we work with that financial attorney on setting up the trust, we're working with that financial advisor on looking at what the trust needs to be invested in, the income that that beneficiary is going to need. We're working with them on three, six, nine-month expenditures. Maybe we have a client that's going to have a medical procedure or there's a handicap accessible van that needs to be purchased. We're working with them so that they know what the need is from a cash perspective, but also they're doing the investment. They understand a lot of times they are the quarterback in the relationship. You know, oftentimes that financial advisor has been there and has worked with the families for 10, 15, 20 years. And just because you need a corporate trustee doesn't mean you should have to give up the family's financial advisor that you have that deep relationship with. We're accustomed to working with outside financial advisors, outside attorneys, and outside CPAs. 
Okay. A collaborative approach of that best practice for that beneficiary. A lot of families I work with, they may not have a financial advisor because they, you know, most of the assets will come from life insurance when they're gone. Right. Do you have financial advisors you can connect them with or, or what should they be thinking? So we are a directed trust platform. So the family is going to direct us on who to use. If they have no clue where to start, we can give a few recommendations in their area. But oftentimes they are already in touch with someone. And if they're not, they're seeking someone out once they know there's a need that needs to be met. Right. And I would say from my perspective as a parent and a former financial advisor, there's no harm in interviewing financial advisors while you're alive and building that relationship, much like they'd be doing with you. A good financial advisor will work with you and then be there should the need arise. Absolutely. In more general terms, what's a corporate trustee responsible for? I think we said trust protector at some point, but what is a corporate trustee responsible for? What makes them different from a family member, for example? Yeah. So a corporate trustee is a fiduciary role. And a fiduciary role means they are held to the highest standard. They are going to be you know, experts in the field that they have, that they are setting themselves out. So being a corporate trustee is being a fiduciary role that is looking at that trust document, interpreting what that means and carrying those wishes forward. It's my understanding any trustee, whether a corporate or otherwise, has to be a fiduciary, right? I mean, that's the requirement or... Individual trustees also carry that fiduciary role. And then if there is an individual that's serving with a co-trustee of a corporate trustee, we welcome those relationships just like we welcome trust protector roles. You know, that's important when you're seeking out a trustee to make sure that kind of what roles are they comfortable serving? Are they happy to have a corporate uh, a corporate co-trustee or, or the individual co-trustee making sure that everyone, you know, has that role and is looking for the best benefit of that beneficiary? I've talked to some trust companies that don't want co-trustees, that they want, you know, the end-all be-all. What's a trust protector? What do they do? So a trust protector is a role that is played within the trust document. It's often, you know, maybe a sibling who doesn't want that burden of saying yes or no to their sister or brother or any family member, really. It's an individual who's playing a role that has access to that trust company, that has access to that financial advisor. And oftentimes, you know, I've kind of touched on our platform that we're separate, but they're a lot of times trustees and financial advisors are all together. And there's kind of a different role that they play as well. But the trust protector is an individual that typically under the terms of the document has a right to remove or replace the trustee and the financial advisor. So if there's not a good fit anymore, or, you know, something's happening at either of those firms that isn't in line with what was previously, they have that right. But they have access to that trustee. You know, sometimes it's helpful for us to have that trust protector to give us family background, to give us insight on, you know, maybe a request that we wouldn't otherwise understand. You know, maybe they go to Europe every five years and they've done this their entire life and now they're 55 and they're saying, hey, where's my trip to Europe? Having context is helpful for us as well. No, it's fantastic. And speaking as a parent, what I personally like about a corporate trustee is continuity, right? I mean, you guys have been around a long time. You know, if something were to happen to you, Cumberland's not going to come to a screeching hall. I mean, you know, shut up. No, it's uh, not. And that's great. That is why a lot of us, you know, that's originally why Cumberland started was continuity. You know, families didn't want to call and have a new name every four or five years. They wanted to know that they were calling and they were getting 
Jacqueline and Jacqueline knew their family and Jacqueline had talked to them for years before. I think it's hard when clients need that role to be filled and they're calling an 800 number and they're having to tell their life story about why they need a $30 distribution to buy new shoes because they got new braces or why they need those tennis balls, you know, why that $20 needs to come every six months. And that can be really frustrating, you know? And so continuity, really important for us when we start it. You're right. You know, hopefully Jacqueline's going nowhere for another 30, 40, 50 years. But if something happens, you know, Cumberland's going to keep going. You know, this department, this need that needs to be met for these families are still going to be there. And then the other thing I really like about corporate trustees, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody who's watching with your family members, but siblings get lives of their own, or they should. And oftentimes, Uh, you know, that sibling might not anticipate, you know, a pandemic. They might not anticipate having all of these needs that come for their family. Maybe they have young kids. Maybe they have a career change in the middle of, you know, when the beneficiary has a need as well. And so, I, you know, nothing wrong with having an individual serve. I just think also there's a good backup plan. You know, maybe they can start out serving and it works for two or three years and then it might not work. Yeah. Having someone that understands those trusts because special needs trusts are very different. And a sibling also with the best of intentions can make a distribution to their brother or sister trying to help. And that can be a real mess with benefits if it's not made correctly. Exactly. And then the other piece that I feel like sometimes people don't take into account, for all intents and purposes, the way I look at it is a trust is a person because it has a taxpayer identification number, Mm -hmm. which means it has to pay taxes Mm -hmm. like you and I do. Absolutely. And that's a big deal. Yeah. It's an entity. So not only is a trust paying taxes, but a beneficiary has a tax return to file. And, you know, that's one thing that we help and have conversations around with our beneficiaries. You know, a lot of times they've never done that, or maybe mom and dad have always taken care of it. And a sibling might not understand that as well. Or any. Yeah, it's easy to overlook, right? I mean, it's super easy to overlook. So as we're winding down, because I want to respect your time, but I really appreciate you coming out here. Absolutely. I want to make sure families take away two things and then I'll turn it over to you for your last thoughts. But I do want to remind people, Cumberland Trust does not do any money management. Personally, that's a plus in my book. I like the fact that all Cumberland focuses on is trust management. They're not trying to be experts in anything else. And the fact that they're willing to work with financial advisors, which is so rare from what I've found with other trust companies, it shows how collaborative Cumberland truly is. The other thing I really want to highlight is the distinctive care. The fact that Cumberland will really get in and help these live their lives and not try to do it for them, not try to take away their power. I mean, I think Jacqueline did a really great job explaining what that meant, what that would look like. So I really want people to understand that. And now, Jacqueline, I'll turn it over to you for your last thoughts. What would you like people to take away? So I think it's important to have conversations. Tough conversations are tough, but have conversations, whether that is with a family member. You know, I've sat across the table from several families and, you know, an older siblings looked at and they're like, what's the plan? And they're like, you're the plan. And he's like, I can't be the plan, you know? So having a plan and that plan is going to change a lot. You know, it's is as that beneficiary ages and grows and has different medical needs or different, you know, life needs, things are going to change. So have a conversation, get a plan together. That plan is going to change and that's okay. But have a plan, I think is important. You know, ask questions, ask lots of questions. And if you're working with a trustee or you're working with a financial advisor, you're working with a CPA, you're working with individuals that don't know the answer, 
allow them time to get the answer. Make sure that you're all having productive conversations that are going to be best for that beneficiary when you're no longer here. Yeah. My personal bias, don't work with somebody that makes you feel stupid for asking the question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back to Cumberland, it is very important to us that we are working within this niche of special needs, distinctive care overall, making sure that those beneficiaries have a voice, that they feel heard, that we're partners with them. You know, myself, along with several of our colleagues, have uh, kids that have disabilities or have had different struggles. And it's important to us. You know, it's a niche within our company that is not going away and is just growing. So we work about 280 families right now and couldn't be more thankful for those families that have entrusted us to take care of their loved ones. Well, this has been phenomenal, Jacqueline. And I want to lend on that note because I think you can't say any better than that. So we have your contact information up here, website, email, phone, Twitter handle. You have other social media, right? That I'm going to make sure I'll include in the description. Yep. So Um, we have LinkedIn. Okay. No YouTube or Facebook or anything? No, I don't think so. Okay. And is email or phone usually the better way to reach you? Email is great. I'm still work from home, as you can tell from my lovely background. So email is great. Always happy to take a voicemail as well. But either way, happy to be here and answer any questions. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jacqueline, for making the time to talk with us today. Have a great week. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the ABCs of Disability Planning Podcast. We invite your feedback and comments. Please feel free to leave a review wherever you are listening, and don't forget to hit like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For more information, please visit us at www.specialneedsnavigator.us.